You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. It is such a good morning, like I said, to be together, to worship together. We're going to be continuing our sermon series this morning, looking at the book of Exodus and Moses' life. But before we go to our scripture, let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. God of the ages, we pray that in the next few moments, you would allow us to hear where you are speaking through your living word. Help us to listen with open ears and willing hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, our scripture passage is from Exodus. It's from chapter 16, and it's verses 1 through 3. Listen now for the word of our Lord. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. Side note, this is short for Sinai which is between Elam and the city of Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but I have been looking forward to this day in particular, January 31st. Usually it's just a regular day for me, but today is the last day of what feels like the longest January ever, which comes right on the heels of what seemed like the longest year ever. And while it's more symbolic than anything, it feels good to be here. We made it. And like I said, today we are going to continue our sermon series on Moses, looking at God's certain promises in uncertain times. And when I looked at the scripture and the sermon title Jeff had chosen for this week, I thought it was perfect. Don't look back. Because, friends, my running shoes, not really, but they're on. And I'm ready to run far, far away from 2020 and never look back. We all had different experiences in 2020. But it was hard for all of us. I will say, though, there were some positive moments. For us, in August, we were going a little stir-crazy in our house. And so the boys' birthdays were coming up, and Jason and I decided we would try to get away for a little bit. And our friends have the loveliest cabin on a creek near Blue Ridge, and they graciously let us use it for the boys' birthday weekend. We decided to keep it a surprise. We told the boys we were going on a sunset drive. Now, this appeased them for a little while, but soon we started to get the how much longer cries from the back seat. And the sun was setting, and I told the boys we were taking the scenic route home. It didn't take long before Cooper was over it. He told me that we could just as as easily have watched the sunset 
from our own house. And then came the dreaded words that are like nails on the chalkboard to any adult who has ever traveled anywhere with any child. Are we there yet? And you know that once that starts, it opens a floodgate and it doesn't stop. Are we there yet? How many more minutes? And two minutes later, are we there yet? How many more minutes? Now, I wish I could tell you on that particular trip that I was a really composed mom who answered her children with patience and grace, but that's not what happened. And my answers were something like, does it look like we're there yet? Or we'll be there in two minutes less than the last time you asked, do the math. Then I made the declaration that we were going to play my children's least favorite car game, the quiet game. Yes, it's my favorite. And once we were quiet, Cooper begins to see the signs for Blue Ridge, and he realizes that we're far from home. The sun is set and we're getting close to the cabin, but to get to this little slice of heaven, you have to go through the woods. It is definitely off the beaten path. And I can tell that Cooper is starting to get scared. He begins asking where we are, and he's nervous that we're lost, and he tells us we shouldn't have gone on this sunset drive anyway, clearly thinking that mom and dad have no idea what they're doing. And we get to the cabin. Now, he's been to the cabin before, but in the dark, he didn't recognize it. We get out of the car and say, let's go check it out. And he's walking timidly and says, maybe we should just go back. But I take his hand and we walk together to the steps of the porch. And all of a sudden he realizes where we are and takes off. It's all I can do to get the door unlocked fast enough for him to get inside. To my seven-year-old at that time, it felt like a long journey. He didn't know where we were going. He doubted his parents' judgment. He was scared and he just wanted to go back to regular quarantine confined mode. But if he turned back, he would have missed the most glorious weekend playing in the creek and celebrating birthdays and going on adventures in the woods. If I'm being honest, I like to think the are we there yet tantrums are just for kids. But I think we know that's not true. I am pretty sure I was trying to be God's backseat driver all of 2020. I was saying things like, really God, this is the turn we're making? Are you still paying attention to the road? Where are we even going? Let's just go back to 2019, which frankly was a very hard year for me. And I don't think I'm alone. Humans have been doing this throughout history. People are often inclined to forget the troubles of the past in the face of new and present troubles. People are comfortable, comfortable with the familiar, even if it's not good. And this is what the Israelites are doing in our passage today. They've been traveling for over a month. This is their seventh stop and their third complaint. They are tired, they are hungry, they are in the wilderness, they are scared, and they are doubting Moses and really God's judgment. 
And so they begin to look back at their time in Egypt with a sort of nostalgia. Now, psychologically, this makes sense. Sure, they were enslaved in Egypt, but at least they had food and shelter and drink, and they knew what to expect. And you see, on their journey, they had forgotten how God had provided over and over again, and they complained. And what we didn't read earlier was the very next verse, which is a conversation between the Lord and Moses, when the Lord is responding to their complaining. So let's look at verse 4. The Lord responded to Moses saying, I am going to rain down bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. This affirms that not only was God with them and in control, but God had planned provisions for them. He'd already planned to take care of them, but their lack of patience and trust took control of their minds. It's easy to judge the Israelites, but I can identify with them more than I'd like to admit. The Israelites give in to fear. They are ungrateful and forgetful. They're suffering from this heat-induced amnesia. I think we've all been in a wilderness at some time in our lives. And it's easy when we're in our metaphorical wilderness to feel isolated, cut off, fearful, and afraid of the unknown. We cry out, are we there yet? How much longer? So much so that we might even want to go back to something that isn't good for us just because it's familiar and known. I was talking to Jeff earlier this week about the sermon, and I I wanted to know if there was anything he was thinking about in regards to this text. What he shared was not at all what I was expecting. He said, well, Carrie, you know the fine young cannibals. And I I was on the other end of the phone, and I was thinking, no, no, that's not this passage. There's not cannibals. God gives them bread. They have their feet. Anyway, if you know the fine young cannibals, then you are laughing at me right now. Naturally, Jeff was talking about a band. Now I know the fine young cannibals were a British rock band. They got together in 1984. They disbanded in 1992. Y'all, I grew up in Georgia, and my family is from Macon, so I grew up listening to the Allman Brothers and Little Richard, not British rock bands. But now I'm cultured. So I looked at this song Jeff mentioned to me, Don't Look Back, and the lyrics truly do speak to the human condition when we're in hard times and in the wilderness. The lyrics say, oh, I know these times are bad, and it makes you want to cry, Don't be sad, we'll get by. Baby, baby, don't look back. It won't do no good. Baby, baby, don't look back. I'm gonna leave and I think that you should. When I researched this song, I realized it had been in the top 40 for quite some time when it was out. My guess is that a lot of people could relate. And while I can't be certain, I think if this song was available to the Israelites, maybe they could have related too. Just as God demonstrates with the Israelites, 
The good news is that there is no wilderness in our lives that is out of the reach of God. So dear and firm is the grip of God on us that nothing can separate us from God's love. And we have the privilege of reading this text through the eyes of the New Testament. Jesus conquered death, and the last thing he said to his disciples that we read in Matthew 28 is, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We learn a great deal about the nature of God in this Exodus passage. God is patient even when we are not. God plans to provide for us, but sometimes not how we're expecting or on our impatient timeline. God hears our prayers and God interrupts the misery of God's people to provide for their needs. God responds to our pain with compassion even when God's people complain against God. And what I realized from this is that as humans, we are forgetful and we need the constant reminder that God's promise is not that there will be no wilderness, but that God is with us in the wilderness and that God will provide. We must remember God's promises. Last week, Jeff preached a wonderful sermon about remembering. It's a fundamental part of our faith. The theological term for this is the Greek word anamnesis, and it means calling to mind, remembrance, or memorial. We gather for worship, and we gather at the table to share communion in remembrance of Christ. And anamnesis is an active remembrance, one that calls us to action when we remember. This remembering helps us to move forward. This is a healthy form of remembering. This is not like the Israelites forgetting God's promises and looking back, dwelling on a past filled with captivity. Like the Israelites, when we look back and dwell on the wrong things, when we don't place our trust in God, we get stuck. There are several reasons we might do this. Sometimes we get stuck in the past because we've romanticized it, already deciding that the future just won't live up to it. Sometimes we get stuck in the past because we're ashamed and we decide that our past defines us and we don't deserve or we don't accept God's forgiveness and grace. Either way, what happens when we get stuck in the past is that we miss what God is doing in the present to move us forward to our future. Now, I'm both a runner and a swimmer. With both sports, looking back is a big no-no. Not only is it going to make you slower, when you look backwards instead of forward, you're likely to run into a wall while you're swimming or trip if you're running, often halting any progress you've made and maybe even stopping you from moving forward at all. These are helpful images for me when I think about the danger of living backwards. Because it's certain that the future only moves in one direction, forward. Theologian Soren Kierkegaard says that life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And God's provision for us is daily 
God gave the Israelites specific instructions. The Hebrew word for that is Torah, for how they were supposed to receive the gifts of bread and quail in the desert. And this Torah, this instruction for the Hebrews, is to gather enough for the day, trusting the future to God. And the same instruction comes to us through Jesus when he teaches us to pray. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray for God's daily bread. Not bread for the rest of the week or the month or the year. In this, we demonstrate that we trust that in Jesus, our bread of life will be with us to nourish us and sustain us daily. And that we trust in God for our futures. God's goodness toward us is never ending. And as a part of the body of Christ, we are then called to share that goodness with others wherever the future takes us. The future is both exciting and terrifying. But as C.S. Lewis wrote in 1963, there are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. It's not that we will not face wilderness and uncertain times, but we can face them with the certainty that God is with us, holding our timid hands every step of the way, and that through Jesus, we have certain hope of eternal life. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you that you are faithful when we are not. We thank you for your love, patience, and compassion for us. Help us to trust in you to nourish and sustain us each day and help us to share your goodness with all those we encounter as we live forwards. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.